Welcome to Mimi. I'm Mel. I created Mimi as a safe space for creativity, a place for creatives to come together, get inspired, and find help through accessible coaching, free resources, and fun workshops and masterclasses on everything from branding, surface design, illustration, and more. The Mimi podcast is basically a really good excuse for me to chat with amazing people, from illustrators and designers to photographers, makers, and more. In today's episode, I get to chat with the awesome ceramicist Marilyn Blay. If you haven't seen Marilyn's jug mugs and Zoom cups yet, then you're missing out. I've been a fan of hers for years now, as anyone could tell from my collection of colourful mugs and objects from her. In our conversation, we talk about how it felt growing up in Quebec in a small town, being the creative one in a family of hockey players. We also chat a lot about her moving to Berlin and growing her brand and craft, perfecting her process and skills, and selling out her stuff within minutes online. Hint, it's both very exciting and daunting at the same time. I loved getting to hear more about Marilyn's personal life and what she's up to when she's in throwing amazing jug mugs. Enjoy! Hi! There you go. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Just struggling with technology. <laughs> <All good. laughs> That's okay. I think it's my fault. But anyway, we're here. So it's good. We're here. It's all good. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk to you. Yeah, um, same. You know, I've I been a, like, yeah. We like just spy on each other through yeah. the internet. <laughs> I think I spy on you more because I'm obsessed with everything you make. And I've had to rein myself in not buying everything because I, I live somewhere where it's not, you know, I want to move out eventually and I don't have like my forever home yet. But when I do, I will be, you know, your stuff will be everywhere. I love it. I'm such a fan. Uh, it would really fit with your aesthetic anyways, because it's so colorful as well. Like, I've got this one, got water in oh, there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I'm so excited. So um, I can't wait to just hear more about you and your work and and you I like knowing people behind their work as well so I wanted to start with where you're from because you're not you live in Germany in Berlin yeah I do but yeah. you're Canadian which is pretty cool I mean I think it's pretty cool so tell me about that about your upbringing <laughs> yeah I'm I'm born in a really remote region of uh, northern Quebec so that's where I was as a kid and I lived there until I was about 17 then I moved to Montreal for school kind of lived a little bit all around Canada you know I was in Montreal for a few years I also lived in Vancouver for a few years tried Toronto didn't work For me but and then I ended up here afterwards yeah so I grew up kind of more in the countryside but then uh, as an adult kind of tried a lot of the different Canadian city well, that sounds fun I don't know I'm imagining you in the mountains in a very wild <laughs> kind of habitat but how was that like did you enjoy it Um, I always tell people it was like a really good childhood. Um, it's not really mountainous where I'm from. It's like, uh, it's like, yeah, it's the northern side of Quebec. It's very wintry. So it's winter about six months of the year. Uh, still very hot summers. So very kind of big uh, difference between temperature, like the seasons really feel different one from the other. Lots of snow. Um, and then... Yeah, very quiet. I mean, it's a region with very little people. So uh, it's like a small town. It was like very much small town vibe. Like spent a lot of time outdoors. Yeah, as a child, I loved it. As a teenager, I think because I was already interested in more creative stuff and art and 
music, it wasn't necessarily the most exciting place to be. I think that's probably why I left. But I have really good memory of growing up there because there was a lot of freedom. Yeah, just not, I felt like that I wasn't, I was a kid who was left, not to myself, but I had a lot of time to just be outside and because it was very safe and you know, there's not a lot of people around. We're just left to play between us kids and there's a lot of unstructured time, if that makes sense. That's really nice. I feel like that's what a lot of kids are missing nowadays. I can't remember who I was talking about this with, but people don't really let their kids run around the streets now yeah. because I guess you can't it's a bit more dangerous maybe I don't know I feel like I'm scared of doing that with my child I mean she's she's way too young she's two but um <laughs> I feel like yeah it's awesome that you had that experience and um were you the creative one really early on or were you yeah for really? sure like, yeah. it's like funny I come from a family of jocks like all like my dad was a pretty successful hockey player and is like youth And hockey still, I mean, he's 68, he still plays hockey twice a week. He's like a big sports guy. And my mom was also similar and my brother as well. So, I mean, and I liked sport as well, but I was definitely kind of more of the creative one, uh, a little bit more sensitive. I didn't really like competition. So I, I was like quite nervous. Uh, when I was like doing team sports and things like that. So yeah, weirdly kind of just was a bit different from everybody else. It's funny in my family, it's the opposite. We're all creative except, I mean, my brother is really creative, but it's the one that went into math and engineering and nobody gets him. So I feel like maybe in your family, it was the same, you know, they were all into sports and you were like, no, I like more creative things. And they were like, what? We don't know about this. Were they yeah, like that? Like, kind of. I mean, there was, I think... Now they get it more, and I feel like I got them more into it with time as well. But yeah, it was it was kind of always a bit of a difference. I mean, I feel like they all wanted to go skating, and then I would like stay in my room and draw. You know, <laughs> love it. So you moved around a lot within Canada. Is that because you started studying? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I went. I knew I wanted to go to art school, uh, so I moved there when I was 17. I moved to Montreal first, and I went to art school there. I did like two degrees there, but also just kind of lived there for a few years. And then uh, I went to grad school in Vancouver. So then I ended up moving there for a few years and also stayed a little bit longer and then after grad school I kind of tried Toronto for a bit I ended up going back to Montreal again so I kind of moved around like every few years but um, spent a fair amount of time in Montreal probably the most of all the cities and then Vancouver was there three years I mean it felt like the right place to be like just larger cities had art programs are more interesting and also obviously there's more cultural life because of what I was interested in I always kind of made sense to go there yeah you wanted to find your people that weren't yeah in totally your little town yeah what's really interesting is that before going into ceramics you did some design so I want to know more about that were you still yeah. in Canada I mean I actually didn't study design I went to just art school so I, I really just studied visual arts we have a bit of a different system in Quebec so I did like a pre-university two-year degree I did a bachelor degree and then I ended up doing a grad degree but all just in visual arts and I don't know I kind of did a lot of different things but I did a lot of printmaking sculpture installation kind of just played around with a lot of different mediums uh textile other I mean I, I kind of tried it all but I didn't try ceramic which was kind of 
It's kind of funny looking yeah. back. And then afterwards, I kind of after school, I worked a lot of admin jobs that were kind of within the arts. So, you know, gallery assistant jobs. I worked for a festival and a lot of that was involving some sort of graphic design. Like, so I ended up also sort of branching out and doing a bit of graphic design, like doing freelance, but I've never really officially studied designer. It was just kind of something I did for money. And also enjoyed it, so I didn't mind. When when did you move to Berlin then? And I, you know, and I said, why are you living nice Canada? Because Canadians <laughs> are so nice. Is that is that a true thing though, or is it just us thinking you guys are all nice? I mean, Canada has this problem like any other places. I think I still really love it. Um, I was just there visiting family during the holiday, and you know, still it still feels like home, but. I don't, there's a lot of reason why I left. I mean, I, a lot of it is just for love. I mean, my, I have a partner who's, uh, has Italian American dual citizenship and we, uh, started dating and we're, he was living in New York at the time and we d- did long distance for a few years. And then we're both at some point were looking for a place to relocate together and, um, visas for the States or Canada are quite expensive and harder to get. So, um, because he had uh, European citizenship and it's quite easy for Canadians to move to Germany. There's like a lot of agreement between the two countries. We just, we, and we knew people here. So it was kind of a lot of different factor that sort of just having friends here. We already knew Berlin. We loved the city. We knew it was easy for us to get uh, work permits. So we both decided to come here and try it out. And we were going to do it for one year at first and see. And also that was a way to experience living together because we had never lived together before. Uh, But then we really liked it. So we just ended up staying. Now we've been here for almost seven years. So it's been a long time. Yeah, I I was not expecting to stay this long, but I just feel like I keep finding reason to stay. So maybe I'll stay here. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, I've never been, but it sounds so cool. Like, I feel like so much is happening in Berlin in terms of creativity and art, right? I mean, I find a lot of similar qualities in Berlin that I found in Montreal, which is probably where I would have settled in Canada if I stayed and probably will go back eventually at some point in my life. But um, they're both cities that were really economically depressed in the 90s for a different reason. You know, Berlin had the wall and Montreal had the separatist movement, which drove a lot of the industry away because they were afraid they would separate. Um, so they're both cities that were very cheap uh, with a lot of free space. So I think they, uh, and they're still much cheaper than most American or European large cities because uh, even though it's getting more expensive, they were so cheap for so long that they haven't really caught up to the price of other larger cities. So it just kind of fostered a lot of nice, you know, creative move here, fosters culture, fosters. Like, uh, like, I mean, it's really a place where I feel like the risk of going into business or doing what you want to do is a bit less because the expenses are not as much. So I think it attracts a lot of different people. And yeah, it's Berlin also is super international, which is really nice. As someone who is not from here, there's I still feel like a bit of an outsider, but I feel like Berlin is a city with so many outsiders. So you don't, in a way, it makes you feel at home as well. 
That Trump don't feel lovely. yeah, don't feel like I'm the only one, you know. It's like mm-hmm. everybody is a bit of an outsider. And so when you moved there, had you already started doing ceramics or is it then that you started exploring that? How did how did you get to ceramics, which is what we <laughs> want mean, to talk about? <laughs> I think I had started a little bit, but uh I did a lot more when I moved here. And I think it started because I went from kind of just working as an artist and then after school and a few years passing, I was mostly doing work that was still related to what I like, but it was admin work. I was in the office, I was in front of the computer and I was kind of just missing making things. So I took a few classes and then that also coincided with moving to Berlin where I ended up having less work. I was just working part-time, had a lot of free time. And I was, I don't know why I chose ceramic. I think I just wanted to do something that was going to be using just my hand. And I always liked um, art practices that are very process, like heavy. So I just felt like something I hadn't tried that I wanted to just get a feel for. And I just loved it. Like from the minute I did it, just kind of fell really deep into it. And then, yeah. I mean, I don't know, I just it just kind of snowballed really quickly. I just ended up spending all my free time doing it. And then like within a year, I was like, you know, working at a studio and getting offer for wholesale. So I just feel like I didn't even really choose it in some way. It just kind of happened. Yeah. It felt right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, you know, they're the best kind of, creative kind of adventures is when you feel like it's Mm -hmm. taking you and it's getting bigger than yourself almost um so you talked about how you love the process and I want to hear more about it and how it makes you feel and and the whole like how does it really work right I mean it's funny too because looking back when I was in art school a lot of the mediums I was interested in were also very like uh long processes I liked printmaking and textile and things that were really involved. And I think that's what I like about ceramic too. I just really like being at the studio. I like working on something for a long time. I like the challenge of something that, you know, like ceramic or printmaking or textile is not something you can, you have to concentrate, you have to put time into it. So I kind of like that. I, I guess the idea of living with the objects and really being involved with the making of it. Um, with ceramics, I mean, there's so many different steps. I mean, there's obviously the drawing, which is, I think, what a lot of people see online uh, through videos where you're forming the objects or you're trimming it and you're shaping it. And that is something that's really involved that needs a lot of concentration. So I think that a lot of people say it's meditative. Um, I don't know if I feel like I'm meditating, but I definitely feel like I'm really focused and this is a part of the process where it's hard for me to think about other things or I can't answer emails. I can't be on my phone. So I'm just feel very present. And I, I think I really enjoy that about it. And then there's uh, a lot of other things involved with just waiting time, drawing time, firing times, and glazing. So a lot of time spent with the work, but also a lot of time just kind of waiting. Around. Yeah. yeah. You have to be so, really patient. You have to be patient and, uh, I think you also, I think it's really hard to get into ceramics if you're not someone who enjoyed the process. If I see it a lot because I teach too, and the people that usually stick to it are not the people who are interested in products. 
they're more they're just more interested in they just love the activity of it they, they love the process of it because a lot of the time it doesn't even turn out the way you want it to be so uh, you have to kind of let go of that a little bit but then again I feel like when I look at your work I'm like it looks perfect even when you because I remember there was a time you remember when I think that's when I first got some of your um, mugs um I missed out because they sell out so fast and I was like no I had like it was so funny because I was I think I was literally crying I was like no I really wanted them and uh and then say oh I've got some second like how do you say you know some imperfect ones yeah and I remember when I got them I was like they're perfect I don't care (laughs) they look great and I think that's what you say as well within your work you like the uniqueness and the fact that you know, it's handmade. Like it's right. it's part of the process that it's not going to be perfect. But again, I think your stuff looks pretty perfect to me. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I try also when I sell online, I'm a little bit more, um, like I, I'm a bit more critical of it because I think there's always a, um, I'm always worried that the visual or what people see like through the screen is not going to match with what they receive. So um, that's why I also always make sure that I sell things that are perfect. Or if not, I like to disclaim, like have a disclaimer and say that there's something wrong with it. But th- there are small defects. They're usually just a little, um, maybe it's a little too short or there's a little freckle in the glaze or maybe the glaze came out a little bit different that time. Those are also just things that I prefer to tell in case someone is ma- like trying to match something they already bought. Or, I mean, I'm, there's also a lot of stuff people don't see. And I think that's also part of how we share our work now through social media, where I often don't show all the things that go wrong or pieces that really look too bad to be sold. I mean, I, with time, there's less of that. Like I still have bad, bad batch, but usually... Like now I kind of have a rhythm and a way of doing things where hopefully I have kind of minimized that. But um, but especially at the beginning, there was a lot of stuff that went wrong and yeah. I had to learn a lot of tough lessons. What's the worst thing that's happened? I don't have like one, like, but it's like a lot of kind of uh, just, I think, young ceramist mistake, like firing things when they're not dry. So if you do that, they tend to break or explode in the kiln, you know, so you'll open the kiln and everything is in pieces. Um, just, I mean, I'd, I'm I'm sometimes just doing stupid things because I'm tired. Like I'll use the wrong glaze because they all, they look very similar in the bucket and I'll just glaze everything the wrong color. <laughs> like I've done that like once or twice when I'm like having a really long week. Um, and then yeah, a lot of it is just more related to firing. Uh, I mean, programming the kiln to the wrong temperature for something. I've never had that be a really, I mean, that can be really bad. I've never done it to a point where I really ruined the work, but it can change. Um, certain colors are quite sensitive, so it can affect the way the color end up turning out. So, yeah, just things like that, technical stuff. Yeah, I mean, it does paint a picture of, what kind of personality you need to have because I would mm-hmm. be so bad at this. I'm not patient. I'm not good with detail. You know, I mean, I love baking because it's reminding me of baking in some way. Totally. Right? I always make analogies between baking and, and ceramic because so much of it is chemistry. And I always call it like imperfect science because 
obviously if, if you're in like a very controlled industry environment you can really but in like a small studio or like your kitchen you can kind of gauge what's going to happen and follow the recipe but there's always a chance that like maybe the oven will fire a bit higher or that you know the uh, yeah, like whatever is happening that day with the weather will change your dough uh, rising time. So it's the same with ceramic. There's always like little tweaks that can change things. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, like you said, the more experienced you get, the better you will be at everything. It's like everything, I guess, like any craft. Yeah. So now you're probably quicker and more efficient at doing everything. Something I was really curious to hear more about is color, because I mean, that's one of the things that I love most about your work is the colors that you you come up with and the obviously you've been doing gradients as well and all these things like how does it even work how do you get it so good I mean that that also depends on everybody's uh, you know there's so many different types of decoration when it comes to ceramic and I think when I started I also kind of didn't really know what I wanted to make so I just made a lot of ceramics that felt more traditional as I was learning and then I think there was a point where I kind of understood I could make things look more like my aesthetic, which I already had the sort of aesthetic with my design work or my artwork, which is similarly very colorful and kind of more uh, maybe precise. And that, so I kind of ended up trying to just find a way to match it more to what I was already making outside of ceramic. And I, I mean... Everybody finds the. I feel like especially with glazed decoration, like it's such a big subject, and there's so much. It's like really is like chemistry, and you have to have a good understanding of how uh, different materials will work together. I mean, like a lot of ceramists, I only know like a little bit, and I kind of have perfected what I needed to perfect to get my work where I wanted it to be. But I'm not an expert at all. Like the way I work with the glazes that just mix uh, glazes that are base glaze. So they're just transparent glaze, either with like a matte satin finish or a glossy finish. And then I use pre-fired pigments to mix uh, with the, the glaze, which are the pigments that are specially designed for ceramic making. Um, they're very expensive. So that's not the best way to um, make glazes if you're trying to, you know, not spend a lot of money. But I feel like the color are worth it because they're very stable and they're very bright. It's harder to achieve bright colors using just natural pigments. So these pigments, they're made in labs, they're pre-fired. So they're very stable, very bright colors. Yeah, they generally turn out pretty similar from one firing to another. So it's like a really good way to kind of, if you're trying to have consistent color to work. But yeah, they're expensive. Mm -hmm. um, that's like definitely the kind of negative side of it. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. It is, it is expensive probably to, to buy all the materials, but also it's so time sen sensitive, mm -hmm. I guess, time sensitive, time expensive. You spend a lot of time doing everything. Yeah. I mean, everything takes time, but also there are some things you end up learning how to do and then it's always the same. I mean, once I found a glaze recipe that worked for me and, and it takes time if I develop a new color, because a lot of the time I'm not using a pigments directly from the bottle. I'm mixing a few colors to kind of get to my, like my own palette. Um, so, but like once you have the recipe, it's like, yeah, it's like a bread, you know, you just repeat it and then it's easier. 
So a lot of it is just um, developing the idea, the color, whatever you're doing. And then after that, there's a lot of repetition there to remake the object or remake the, the glaze. And you've been doing um, a lot. I feel like you've got your muck jugs and you've got your cups. You've got a lot of things that are like staples. Mm -hmm. And then how do you come up with new ideas? Like, do you just do things that you want for you, like for yourself? Or do you think, oh, I want to make, I don't know, a big gigantic bowl or big planter? I mean, you've got planters already, but I don't know. How do you come up with ideas for that? I think, I mean, I don't know. I really, I never thought about that until last year but I was working with a graphic designer do, redoing my identity and she asked one of the first questions she asked me was like do you think of yourself as a brand or do you think of yourself as an artist and this is like was like an epiphany like I never really thought of it but like I, I really kind of started thinking like oh yeah I'm more like an artist which is my background which makes sense but I, I kind of tend to prefer just making things that I want to make and I, I'm I don't often do, you know, I've collaborated with some people and designed products for others, but I usually prefer to come up with the design and be really in charge of all the creative. Um, and I, when I first started, I did a lot more wholesale, but I also kind of realized I prefer to sell uh, like on through my own website and be really in charge of the quantities and what I make. I mean, if I feel like making only mug one month, I can. And if I decide that I want to make a bunch of, fruit bowls I can um, so I kind of just really follow a bit my gut um, there's some things that are really popular like mugs and cups are always popular and sell well and I really I mean I'm a big coffee drinker so I also just really enjoy making them uh, so there's some things I just feel like are things I want to keep repeating because I I'm really love the products and I'm I'm happy to give it to people But the, I like to give myself space to just come up with new things. And there's a lot of playtime in the studio that people don't see as well, or just I make things that end up not working or I don't go into production or uh, or that I just make one of. I, I quite like making vase. And a lot of time when I make vase, I just, I don't, I freestyle them. I don't really repeat them as much. So I think that I like to vary a bit between doing production and also just doing work. That's just a one-off. Uh, yeah. And kind of being in like mostly selling through my name and my space. I feel like it's easier to do that because uh, once you work with stores, I mean, they want consistency usually. So it doesn't allow for the same freedom. When you come up with a new piece, do you have it in mind when you start making it? Or do you just start with some, you know, some material? Is it clay? Am I silly? Yeah, clay. It's yeah. clay, yeah. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, is it clay? Um, yeah, do you just start with clay and then you just see where it goes? Like, what's the, the actual process for you? Yeah, I'm not like a big sketcher. So, uh, I mean, I do it once in a while, but I usually kind of, I think a lot of it just happens in my head. Like, I'll just start thinking about shapes or kind of have a bit of an idea I think it's just a mix of, I, I look at a lot of books, you know, and like I try to have reference that are also outside of ceramics, uh, just like, I don't know, it could be just painting or other types of furniture or uh, home interior. I uh, also like a lot, of, like looking at a lot of nature, like flowers, gardens, like, I don't know, just, I think it just helps with just thinking about interesting shapes or also color combinations I find are, 
Like I find a lot through that. But a lot of it, I think I just kind of start to get an idea of what the object would look like in my head. And then I'm more of a trial and error. So I will, you know, sit at the wheel and try a few different versions of something until I find the proportions sit well. And then uh, a lot of time, I'll just kind of glaze them, try different things. So a lot of what I do is just prototyping, but uh, kind of I just make, I prefer, maybe it's because I have a hard time transposing 2D to 3D, but I find it works better for me if I make something and then I realize, oh, the handle has to be longer or the, you know, the shape has to be fuller. And then I just kind of remake a second version. Yeah, I feel like also a lot of your pieces are just so nice and the hands like you really I don't you're probably thinking about it when you're making it as well but I like that not only is it beautiful and the colors are amazing but they feel great and I know so I'm very specific with your cups so this one here (laughs) it's for drinks like cold drinks then the milk jug is just for tea I don't drink coffee and then I've got the cup that I can't remember the name but it has you know the the zoom one yes with the bubbles and the yellow one that I have is for my hot chocolate in the morning. And I feel like, and it is a thing. And I'm very difficult when people try to get the cup. Then I'm like, no, not this one. That's not for tea. That's for my hot chocolate. But what I love about it is that, you know, it fits your fingers perfectly. Yeah, right. And I wonder if that, is that something you figured out when you were making it? We were like, actually, well, obviously you were using your fingers, but I just love that. Yeah, they feel so good in your hand as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I mean I think a lot about that especially with drinkware because it's probably one of the only objects you kind of hold for a long period of time. Like I mean, it's not the same with a vase or a bowl or a plate where usually it's sitting on the table. I mean, I I still like a bowl that fits nicely in the hand because I do eat like granola walking Mm -hmm. around. Yeah, some people um, just walk around with vases with flowers, you know. Where (laughs) I put it? But yeah, with the Zoom cup, that's an object I made during the first lockdown. It was 2020, I guess, and that's when Zoom exploded actually, and then everybody was like having to do like meeting and stuff through zoom and then i just was like i have kept having these meetings and my coffee cup was too small or my drink cup so i was like i need to make something really big but I have really small hands so i'm like it has to be something that's large but i can somehow hold and i felt like yeah i just played with the design a bit different ridges and then i found the design i ended up with it just fits really nicely in your hand you can kind of put your fingers in the groove and it feels really secure the jug mug is also just because it's such a big mug the shape because it's very enclosed it has a belly and then a smaller top just keeps liquid warm quite long and if you're working which most people do i mean we're all drinking hot beverage while we're working so it cools down this helps a little bit i think Mm -hmm. i mean british people do not drink Mm -hmm. their tea they'll come home and be like oh let's make a tea they make it and then they (laughs) leave it and two hours later it's still there and they forgot about it it's a real thing i don't know how people are in germany but it makes me laugh here they love tea like it's a thing i mean it's funny because i do feel like there's you know the kind of north american coffees becoming more popular like everywhere but i mean still i think the idea my idea of like normal size coffee it's much larger than like the average european like sometimes people come to the studio and they'll look around and they just grab like a jug mug and they're like is that a vase like or is that like a pitcher and i'm like no it's a mug <laughs> it just depends how 
much coffee you drink. But. So you mentioned it and I wanted to hear more about your new visual identity because it looks amazing and you've been doing logos as well on the cups now. So some of my cups have your new logo. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I mean, what about the other ones now? I have to send them back and you can send them. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You can't do that. But um, tell yeah, me about Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. I didn't have a logo for a while because I made one myself when I first started, but it just didn't really fit the brand. I, it kind of moved very quickly in a different direction. And then for a couple of years, I just, I mean, I was like, I have to redo it. And I just was never, I mean, there's not enough hours in the day. And also I think I find it really hard to design for myself. I just didn't really know where to start. And I kept trying ideas and, and abandoning them a few weeks later. So I, eventually I just kind of came across Emma's, uh, she's uh, actually graphic designer. She's from the UK, but lives in Australia, but used to live in Berlin. Uh, but yeah, I just came across her portfolio because she did the project for a friend. And she just was like, she had a very similar aesthetic. I just kind of felt like she would get what I was doing. It's like very maximalist. I mean, a bit too much. And I felt like, yeah, I felt like a lot of her stuff was similar to that. So, so I reached out and then she was super excited about it. I mean, she came up with everything, but it was like super nice, super collaborative. I had a yeah, really good experience doing it because, yeah, I mean, it's really nice to work with someone who you feel really gets you. And yeah, I, t I told her to do too much and like she found a way to do it. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. And like you said, it's interesting sometimes, even though you might have been able to do it, it's just hard to see yourself like you said she asked you if you saw yourself as an artist or brand or you know probably asked you loads of questions you were like wait yeah. I never thought about this before but it is I think it's the best idea to get someone outside you know not you mm -hmm. looking at what you're doing and telling you this is this is you yeah I mean I wish I did it earlier but I mean also I found her at the right you know once I found her I kind of knew it, it, it just needed to happen and I really feel like it kind of completed everything I don't know, kind of gave me also, I think, a lot of inspiration through it as well. Yeah, I felt like she had really good insights and in the colors and just the shapes and seeing it from her perspective also kind of gave me ideas about new work to make. Kind of gave me a, a lot of new perspective on like looking back at my own work as well. So are you working on anything really exciting? I am. I mean, I also teach on the side. So for the past five years, I shared the studio with another ceramicist and we were doing classes we kind of had a separate business where we did that together and it's called Argile and um, so Lisa's moving to just pursue other projects so she's leaving at the end of this month so a lot of this year has been kind of more planning towards the move we had to uh, just I'll do a lot of paperwork dissolving the business I'm just gonna take over everything that has to do with classes and programming under my own brand so everything will kind of become just one so yeah I've been doing a lot of stuff kind of behind the scene just preparing the website for that and uh, in March I'm going to be closing the studio for a month and renovate the space so there's a lot of exciting stuff happening with that too because we're going to make the space look a lot more like me there's going to be a lot more color and I've been designing furniture with someone and I mean it's like just trying to make the studio and the space also fit the universe a little bit more so a bit more time away from ceramic right now but I think it's something I've been wanting 
wanting to do for a bit. I'm really excited. I think it'll kind of give me a bit more excitement. Also, having a workspace that really is like my dream space. That sounds so nice. I'm excited. Now I've got a really good excuse to go to Berlin. Yeah, you should come. I mean, I'm hoping it's the space we have is a storefront. So it still has to remain mostly a workspace. But um, I'm going to have a little store area at the front. Like very small, but just like some some things. And yeah, a lot of the furnitures I've been trying to design is functional, but also colorful. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to show it more. I feel like it probably will happen more next month when I start actually putting things into place in this space. But I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, otherwise with ceramic, because of there's so much going on now, I've been kind of just trying to produce as much as I can, but I've been keeping things a little bit more chill by just making what I know how to make. I have some ideas for maybe stuff for the future. I mean, I'll have more space. That's a bit the goal as well with taking over the whole space. So hoping to go a bit bigger, maybe venture into small furniture or larger planters, larger objects. I'm kind of looking forward to just having more space and store that stuff also. But I love that you're doing furniture. Your work easily translates to that. You kind of want to see that kind of stuff from you. Furniture and like spaces and just seeing how you're going to make that space yours. It's going to be really exciting to see. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I also feel like it will kind of give me the opportunity to sit at a different scale. I mean, I still will always do tableware. I mean, for me, it's really important to make things that people can afford as well. And that I think that's why I end up creating much more functional work. But like looking back, even when I was in art school, I was always interested in social art practice and work that kind of reached to community. So I, I just, to me, it's important to have objects that the common, well, maybe not everybody, but that most people can afford. And uh, sure, I want to make bigger things, but also I don't want to just make that either. And about the workshops and the classes you're doing, how are you enjoying that? That seems really fun as well. I love it. I mean, it's not for everybody. I, I think it's also because I don't like doing large production uh, you know I've tried that what doing a lot more wholesale when I started there's just so much pressure and I mean obviously because uh, stores also take a percentage or business take a pretty large percentage you have to make a lot more to make the same profit so I kind of realized what, after doing that for a bit that I prefer to just make smaller production that I sell through my own website it's much more enjoyable for me and then the teaching is like a supplementary thing but also really enjoy teaching I mean People that take ceramic classes are usually pretty cool. I feel like I meet a ton of creative, really interesting people um, by doing that. I teach generally two to three times a week. Uh, so it also breaks the monotony because I'm alone at work most time. So having just like a break in the day where I have people coming over activates the studio. I have friendships also that come sometimes from it. It's just like a way to be a little bit more open about what I'm making as well. It's like I'm inviting people into the studio like so it creates a lot of conversation not just about around ceramics but also my work I like the balance of the two I, I wouldn't only teach but the same way I wouldn't only do production I think I like how they complement each other yeah I feel like that's the magic of freelance life we can have yeah. a lot of different things and that breaks the monotony and like you say it can get a bit lonely because what you're doing is similar to what like I'm doing or a lot of illustrators and designers we're working on our own doing our thing and it's nice sometimes to get out and see people you know so I was wondering, what do you do when you're not making stuff? 
don't know. I, I think the part of the reason why I also kind of ended up doing this, or and even before that, I was really like working a lot doing freelance. Is I'm not very good with the nine to five, um, and I I'm just someone who really function well, but I can work really hard for three weeks and not take a day off as long as I know I'm gonna be doing something really fun afterwards. So I'm really big onto the working hard and getting a big payoff after. So I don't know. I mean, the pandemic was a bit different, but like since I moved here, we travel a lot, me and my partner. So I often just have big few weeks where I'll work a lot and not take a lot of time for myself. And then we'll go on a two week trip somewhere. And um, we both really enjoy hiking. I love gardens. I visit a lot of gardens. I tend to like have these like moments where I just go back to nature. Like I love the mountains. Uh, so I often go in places where we can do some hiking. And then in Berlin, I mean, I cook a lot. I'm pretty much never eat out. So I just spend a lot of time cooking. That's something I do every night. And I really enjoy that time and seeing a lot of friends when I can. I mean, maybe not as much as I wish I did, but I try to always someone at some point during the week for coffee or a drink, listen to a lot of music, just I think the regular stuff. So what are some of the biggest hurdles you've encountered in the past, I guess, seven years or maybe since you moved to Berlin and started doing more mm -hmm. ceramics? I think like a lot of it has just been the last few years, things are changing very fast. Probably just started with the pandemic, but I feel like every six months there's like a new way. I feel like I have to restructure my business a bit, bit to fit whatever is happening. So that's kind of been challenging. I mean, obviously... All the teaching was gone for months at a time while um, people were in lockdown. So there was a really big period of 2020 and 2021 where I couldn't teach. So um, unfortunately, a lot of people were buying things for their homes at that time. So the production side or like the demand for products was bigger. But like it kind of meant every few months you were readapting to what you could do and uh, trying to find ways to you know pay your bills. And then... I think there is also, and I mean, 2020 especially, I feel like I couldn't make things fast enough. Things were selling so fast. I mean, it was like selling within minutes and it was, you know, very overwhelming way of doing things. And like, it was like, I was constantly in this like hamster wing, like wheel yeah. cycle of like making, selling, packing, making, selling, packing. Um, I mean, it was great because obviously they made it a lot less stressful to not be able to do the other side of my job. But then afterwards there was, not, you know, the last year was a bit different because we're kind of gearing toward a recession. And I think people kind of went back out and maybe are spending their money more on experience and going to the restaurants or travel. So like things have slowed down a bit more with that. And I think it's like it's changing and like Instagram has changed quite a lot as well. Um, like I feel like I, I was someone who really kind of I caught the entail of the Instagram wave where you could build a brand very quickly or get get a following pretty quickly. And I, this is not growing or as much. Or I think people are not seeing things as much. So you have to find different way to find your audience. So I feel like another hurdle is just thinking the last year, especially I was I kind of had a lot of moments of fatigue of just kind of not really knowing how to, you know, what's the next step and being a bit tired of constantly problem solving, how to keep doing what I'm doing. Everything is okay, 
but it's definitely something I think a lot of small makers I am in contact with have been feeling as well, that we've been having to shift and adapt very quickly. Uh, and it happens every few months. I do feel like the future of everything, I think, is going to be going back to physical places. And I think the fact that, mm. because you know you were saying about Instagram, not, I mean, it's so hard to get anyone to see anything on there anymore. Right. And I always think that's the best thing. If you can have a little store, you know, where you live and people can walk around and see you, like that's how you're gonna, I feel like that's gonna come back to this because everything went digital with the pandemic. People are just wanting to just be present, be outside, not be on the screens and walk around and meet people and see things mm -hmm. and go into shops. So it's probably the best time for you to be redoing the yeah. space and have that. It's going to be really good. I'm hoping so. I mean, even just um, last year, I did more um, local sales. So there's been more and more organization between ceramists or make small makers here doing pop-ups or things uh, like ceramic specific markets so it's been kind of also nice to just uh, sell in different ways not just online and I mean it also makes you connect with who is actually buying from you I mean they take a lot of energy and I'm not like I was not at first I'm, I tried to do a bit market when I started and I don't always like them But I think when you find the right ones, that can also be a really nice way to yeah, sell and share what you're doing. I feel like with what's happening, it's a little bit about finding different ways to do it, not putting all your egg in one basket. And I think a lot of us, depend, and especially when I started making things, you could really just kind of explode on Instagram and it was like the big thing and you could do all your business there. But I don't think it's, yeah, I don't know it's the, it's the right approach. It's also giving a lot of power to an app that you don't control. So um, that's why I've been also building the newsletter for a few years. And I try to really kind of have people connect with me there because it's my space and that's, I can be sure that people that want to see it will see it. And maybe it's not that, they're not looking at their phone at the right time or so yeah i've been trying to move a bit away from it and find other ways to keep on doing like what i'm doing <laughs> yeah but again i think having the storefront and your workshop in that physical space is probably the best thing and you know like you said people will come in and talk to you and see the pieces in real life and like they're more likely to buy and they're more likely to get into it and yeah i mean it's gonna look so good i can tell I can't wait to see pictures. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to also film a bit of the like process. And I kind of feel like it will be really fun to have that one month where I can just reset. But yeah, I like I still, I was always sell online as well, because so much of my audience is not in Berlin. And actually, I sell the most in the UK and like of any other place outside of Germany. So yeah, lo lots of people in the UK like colors, I guess. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> Maybe why. it's because it's a very great place too uh, so is. they just need it, it <laughs> you guys need it <laughs> No, I do think, here, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think the weather is probably similar. But there is something about the UK where people do like colors and boldness and quirkiness. That's probably why they love your work so much. I'm not surprised. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But I definitely notice, yeah, I sell on the States and I sell on the UK. So there's kind of mm. somehow people connect with my work. Yeah. And, 
these places in particular. So coming back to ceramic a little bit, I just wanted to know if there's something you wish you'd known when you started. I think there's a lot of things. Like, I mean, I think because I went into it, maybe it's also just having, like, I wish that's something they taught you in art school. I mean, it's it's very kind of idealistic. And I really didn't think a lot about the financial side of things when I started. Um, I just wanted, I just started making things. So like I said, I use a lot of materials that are quite expensive. The ratio of profit I make per piece is quite slim. And when I started, I was doing wholesale. And like, I mean, I really made no money. Pretty much all of my profit was going into just materials. So I was like, I mean, there's even months where I was paying to make work. So I feel like I would have maybe, maybe I should have been a bit quicker at kind of managing that side and kind of looking at the numbers and figuring out a way that works better for me. I also think I'm learning a lot more as I'm doing longer, like I'm also getting older and it's a very something that's quite tough on your body. Mm. So the last year, especially, I've been a lot more tuned with that, um, to the gym more and trying to do things outside that will kind of help me do it longer because I was definitely, I mean, I didn't really feel it for a long time, but I was starting to get back pains and other things that just stem from um, you know sitting in a weird position for hours and I mean you often work if it's winter you have your hand in cold water all the time and there's all these things that you don't really consider and I try to keep my studio super clean but you know a lot of the materials when they're airborne are quite toxic so there's always health concerns so I think I've been focusing a lot more on that stuff and kind of trying to make sure that I can do my job a long time and not die from it That's that would which, be like, good. it's really like creepy but you know a lot of ceramists live shorter life so that's something to kind of consider well i guess you just need to start making more furniture <laughs> just switch switch jobs i don't want you to die a lot of that stuff was less known in the past and i think i mean it's maybe not as long as you're responsible with your space and take care of how you clean things and how you discard products i'm quite good with that so obviously you have the whole space now the whole studio you're doing a bit of furniture and is that how where do you want to push what you're doing i'm not sure like i'm i always think about also how sustainable it is for me to do this because also i don't know what it's gonna feel like when i'm 60 and i'm doing this so i may see a change like i mean i don't necessarily see myself being in berlin forever so there's maybe a point where i want to live in the countryside or go back to canada and i always kind of thought maybe i would like to have a residency program or some sort of you know yeah just like a space where I can invite people um, just kind of facilitate the kind of work that I do for others as well that's kind of more of a long-term dream or idea if I could see myself doing that when I'm at a different stage in life I feel like ceramic is something you need community to do because it's like ask for so much resources so it just works well together that's maybe a goal i mean i also just want to maybe venture into other things as well because i i'm doing ceramic now but yeah i think of myself more as just a creative in general so maybe other materials will start interesting me at some point yeah i mean i'm a bit interested in lucite and and jasmineite and all that stuff as well and i think there could be some really interesting pairing with ceramic so there's maybe a point where i'll have more time to 
experiment with how other materials can play into what I'm doing as well and how maybe I can make similar work using different materials and it can become something else you know we'll see yeah I can't wait to see all that but mainly I'm very excited about you getting the studio and making it your own and having all that space for yourself all that clean clean tidy space for yourself Um, (laughs) I promise I'll I'll mop every day yeah because if I come by and it's dirty I will be upset I will be like what is this you said you could die Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you want to know more about Mimi, then head out to mimiforcreatives.com and make sure to check the show notes for more details about our guest. I'll see you soon. <laughs>